Okay, so every time that I fasted, it's been a time somebody else was like, hey, you should fast because it's worth fasting. I was like, okay. And it, every time I'm called to that, I'm like, that's exciting. You know, the process of putting things off and drawing closer to the Lord. I'm like, that's a wonderful invitation that I want to take, right? So maybe you can relate to that. Um, but it's not my idea. I'm generally excited and wondering what it is that I'll fast. So I, I realize that each time. Like, what is it that I'm going to give up so that I can draw closer to the Lord? How is that going to look? Another thing I realize is I forget when it starts and when it ends. <laughs> you know, it's like two weeks of prayer and fasting. I forget what the actual dates are. And I'm, I'm looking at those dates because I'm taking something out of my life of significance, right? But I do a really bad job of, like, managing it historically. And then I actually pick something and I participate in it. So I, I do it, and it's good, and God answers prayer do it during those times. But it, as I reflected on fasting, it's like, this just looks a little off. You know, I don't, I don't know that this is reflective of how fasting is in the Bible. So this is actually something that I've been thinking about for a few years now. Um, yeah, it's, it's just like realizing at the end of each fast, I think this is how life is supposed to look. <laughs> I think this is how my walk with the Lord is supposed to look. And realizing that I'm not certain that the way that I'm handling fasting is the way that God wants fasting to be handled in my life. Does that make sense? Like I'm handling it a certain way, I'm navigating it a certain way, but then I don't know that it's reflective of what the Word of God says. So we're going to pray. We're going to get some answers as to what it is, how it's done, um, look at it practically for our lives. That's our objective for today. So pray with me. Father, thank you for this morning. We need you to show up. We need you to answer um, all of the situations that we're in in life. God, there's wonderful ones where we're rejoicing because of the time that we had with our family, but then there's other ones where we're grieving because of the time we spent with our family and it didn't go how we wanted it to go. It was, it was hard or, you know, like the, the answered prayer was different than what we were hoping or, God, we acknowledge that we're coming in needy. So we, we need you to speak to us. We need your Holy Spirit to convict and conform us to the image of your Son. And only you can do that by your word. So I, I'm asking that you would do that by your word. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the title this morning of our uh, message is going to be called The Fast Life. So you've got a handout on your chair. Um, the Fast Life is what we're going to be looking at. Um, although the Bible doesn't give a direct command, either in the Old or New Testament, to fast, instances and examples of fasting appear in both the Old and New Testament all over the place. So one of the most telling passages and where we're going to start this morning is in Matthew chapter 6, uh, where Jesus is teaching his disciples basic principles of godly living. Okay? So we're going to start in Matthew 6. If you've got a Bible, flip open to there. Uh, it's going to be on the screen as well. We're, we're going to camp out on verses 16 through 18, but we'll, let's get the context real quick, okay? So Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4 say, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you do, doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when, they do, when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So what you just saw in the first four verses is a pattern that plays out three times in the next 18 verses. Okay, 
He says, when thou doest thine alms, when you give to people that are poor and needy, that's an alms, like a sacrificial giving to somebody, when you do that, it should look like this, and this is how God's going to respond. Keep going. Verse 5, it says, when thou prayest, this is how it's supposed to look. Same exact structure. Don't do it publicly. Don't do it as the hypocrites do. Don't do it in this way that you're trying to get everybody's attention so they see how holy you are. That's not the objective. The objective is to seek the Father. And, and then he shows us how to do that. So you, you fast forward, forward to verse 9 through 15. It says, After this manner pray ye, and you guys are familiar with this one, the Lord's Prayer. He says, This is how you can pray. You pray to the Father. You pray in the Son's name. You pray all sorts of things like help me. Help me to have the right heart towards people. Do things that I can't do. So Jesus is teaching us how to live godly. When you give alms, when you pray, and then in verse 16 where we're going to start camping out, when ye fast. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. Everybody knows they're fasting, right? You can see it on their face and they want you to see it on their face, right? They, they want you to know that they're giving up something because they're very holy. That's not how we want to do this is what Jesus is saying. When ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they, for they disfigure their faces. <laughs> I don't know what that really, I, like, you just like go smear dirt on your face, or like, do you really like, really, just like, oh, I'm fast. Like, <laughs> you make your countenance and your face like one that is really ugly, <laughs> so people know that you're suffering. I don't know what disfigure their faces really means there, but they're appearing unto men to fast. Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Don't do that. There's going to be consequence for that. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which, is, which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Okay. When speaking of alms, giving to the poor and to the needy, or prayer, or fasting, Jesus is saying we ought not be doing it for attention and recognition from others, but instead, rather, privately. We should be doing these things with the Lord so he can reward us privately. He's going to answer things. Like, I had no idea that Mitch fasted like that, and God answered that prayer of seeing his grandson saved. I had no idea. And there will, there will be a reward for this from the Lord. Okay, so as we look at fasting this morning, there's going to be like there's a lot more that we're not actually looking at in these verses in particular about um, how to fast. We're, we're going to start even more simply than that this morning. When speaking, so here, here's our first key idea we need to get our heads wrapped around. When speaking of fasting, Jesus begins with what word? When. When you fast. Not, say with me, we're, it's just, we're early. <laughs> when you fast, when. not if you fast. When you fast, this is how it's supposed to look. Jesus speaks as if it's a foregone conclusion that his followers will fast and pray. And I was just asking myself, and I'm asking us this morning, do we view it the same way when I fast and pray? Why well, I, I fast and pray whenever Sam tells me to fast and pray. I don't know that that's what Jesus is communicating, right? Jesus' words imply that fasting will be a regular practice in his followers' lives. So our thesis this morning, our key idea in which everything is falling under, fasting should be viewed as less exceptional in our lives and more essential. This is what God is showing me. I'm trusting that he'll show us this. Fasting should be viewed less as exceptional 
and more essential, something we have to have instead of something like we do every once in a while whenever you know, all the conditions seem crazy enough that we should actually do that thing, an exception. Not an exception, essential, something we need. Okay, so someone that isn't Malachi, because he's still asking, what's a fast? <laughs> Somebody help me out. What is a fast? Ethan? Okay. Okay, so giving up something, and then there's typically like a component where we're seeking something else, right? We're giving up something and we're seeking something else, and that ought to be the Lord. That's how we look at it, right? So it's to withhold something from our flesh. Instead of just giving our flesh whatever it wants, we, we take that away. So whether it's food or whether it's, you know, time on social media or whatever the thing is, we withhold that from the flesh. We don't let the flesh have whatever it wants, which we're prone to just be doing continually. That's how we often live. And instead, we abstain. And this, this fits with Scripture. So Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, man, if you're going to follow after me, you're going to have to deny yourself. So I think fasting is a really clear way in which we can deny ourselves, and Jesus is talking about it, but we don't often make that conclusion. We don't often make that connection. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, there's going to be denial of self. I think fasting is a really clear way in which that can happen. Okay, so why do we fast? We're, we're, gonna, we're setting the stage, so why do we fast? I think it's often because... Somebody else invited us into it. Or maybe even, for some of us, it's because something humongous is going on. Like we actually acknowledge that's way too big for me and there's no way I can navigate this by myself. It's like somebody's going to pass away. Or someone did. And I don't know how to handle either. Like they're going to be gone. Or they're going to go, like, it's something of like humongous significance in our lives. So we say, God, I can't do it I'm not going to just stay distracted by all this stuff. I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to take other things out of my life so I can just stay here with you so you can help me through this. Something huge is going on, and that is fair, and we should fast then, right? I'm not saying stop doing that if that's what you're doing. But what we're going to do this morning, and what you see when you look at the circumstances in the Bible which involve fasting, fasts are prompted by things like sorrow over sin, and I'm realizing I'm in sin. I'm going to fast. Fasting is prompted by people experiencing persecution. Fasting is prompted by people just being burdened for somebody else's soul or their well-being. Fasting and desperate prayer should be the response of an individual who is viewing the circumstances of their life through God's perspective. That should be the response. So I, I don't know about you guys. Each time I get done fasting... I think something along the lines of, I think this is just what normal Christianity is supposed to look like. Because I think my life, I don't know if, if, your guys is, if you could relate to this, maybe it's just me, I think my life just ends up subtly being filled with idolatry. There's just things that creep in there, and they have prominence in my attention, in my heart. And then when I remove those things, it's like, wow, the Lord has the place that he deserves. This is how it's supposed to be. And then they subtly creep back in. Can you guys relate to that? Anybody? No hands. It's like, not I. I think that's I think that's where we're at. Okay, so people people fast for a number of reasons. We're going to look at seven reasons, and we're going to get through them pretty quick. Okay, so there's seven passages. It's not comprehensive, but we're going to look at these pretty quickly so we can get an idea of maybe how should we fast, right? 
not just this humongous thing, not just this like October thing that Sam tells us to do, but what are some other instances where we might choose to fast moving forward because of the benefit that we'll see? Okay, so number one, to empower ministry and overcome temptation. People fast in the Bible to empower their ministry and so that they can have victory over temptation instead of getting their butts whooped. (laughs) So Jesus models this really clearly in Matthew 4. Uh, It says, Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted, Titus is like, man, I don't know how I could go like two days. That'd be pretty crazy. And it it is. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, sheesh, right? Like I don't even, I'm not going to ask you guys how long you fasted, but it's it's not 40 days in this room, I don't think. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe somebody in here is really, really hardcore, but I don't think that's the way we've done it. So Jesus fasted 40 days, 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Yep, probably. And when the tempter came to him and he comes three times, he, he appeals to his flesh, he appeals to his power and like the prominence that he ought to have as the Son of Man. He appeals to him in all these different ways. And Jesus answers saying, no, that's not for me, right? So Jesus spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness fasting and praying before he began his public ministry. Man, am I spending time with the Lord like that? I'm rejecting myself. I'm putting myself off before I go and do anything in terms of my ministry. That's how Jesus modeled it. Before he goes out and he starts doing miracles, before he starts healing, before he starts doing anything that we notably recognize Jesus for, he's fasting and praying before doing that. In order to overcome temptation, Jesus gets in this, in this habit, in this process. Jesus says no to what his flesh wants. So Satan is appealing to that and Jesus is saying no. So when, tem- when temptation comes later on, Jesus has already been saying no to those things. I, I'm not going to eat food. I'm going to spend time with my father. I'm not going to spend time doing that thing that engages my comfort and my interests. I'm going to spend time with the father. So whenever there's an appeal to those things, you guys get what I'm saying? He's, he's already been saying no. He's already with the father. That's not for me is what Jesus is saying. So I think fasting is really beautiful. I, I'm we're going to have to chop through these things really quickly because I want you guys to have some time to walk through it, look through these passages beyond what we are. Fasting is really beautiful in that we forsake something so that we can replace that time or comfort, like Bree was saying, that that time exists and we can replace it with meaningful time with the Lord. We have to recognize everyone in here is wired to just serve the, the flesh continually. Our carnal mind is enmity with, against God. Like it has no desire to do what the Lord wants. So fasting very clearly helps us to mortify that flesh that has that desire. Okay, number two. People fast in the Word of God to seek God's wisdom. So Acts 14, verses 21 through 23, it says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, And that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So Paul and Barnabas are kind of navigating new territory right now, right? This is is something that wasn't part of human history or God's design up until this point. Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted for the elders of the church before committing them to the Lord for his service. 
They're saying, we, we don't know who ought to lead this group of people that we're leaving behind. God, we need you to show us. We need your wisdom. We need your insight. We need your vision to see who are the people that are going to lead this group of people as we go on and continue to plant churches. Instead of just doing what they thought was right in their own eyes, they sought the Lord's wisdom, and they did so by fasting. It was part of the process. It wasn't just they prayed for wisdom. It was they put stuff off from them and prayed simultaneously, right? So if we need, and we're going to be looking, you know, we need wisdom. We need victory over temptation. We need wisdom. Number three, to express grief healthily. <clears throat> so we're jumping around. Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4. First, first little chunk of the book. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu in the twelfth year or twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace. So he's away, he's in Babylon, and he's he's asking questions. One of his brethren come, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them, so here's here's the crux of it. Nehemiah asks his brethren concerning the Jews, one, and then concerning Jerusalem. What is the state? What's going on with my brothers and sisters in Jerusalem? What's going on with the city? He's asking this question. And they said unto him, they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. So here, he hears pretty terrible news, right? Hey, how, how's my family? How are my brothers and sisters in, in Christ? Right? Like, how are the other followers of God? How's the city that I love, that God set up as a place for him to be magnified throughout the world? And they say, it's really bad. <laughs> it's really rough. People are struggling. People are in, in bad shape, and the city's broken down. And he says, When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Okay, so some of us in here are receiving bad news, and you don't know how to navigate it. Like, you're not certain how to do that. You're not certain how to feel it, how much, how much and where it should be felt, how it's supposed to be dealt with. Nehemiah, when he received terrible news, he fasted and prayed to the Lord. He didn't just try and figure it out, you know, or like put it in the box on the top shelf in the recesses of his mind, and then it pops out sometimes, and we're like, what the heck's wrong with that person? Well, they're repressing grievous things and not handling them. God lays out a pattern of, man, we, we deal with that stuff with him. Okay, so number one, to empower ministry, overcome temptation. Number two, to seek wisdom. Number three, to express grief in a healthy way instead of just trying to do it by ourselves. Number four, to seek deliverance or protection. So in Ezra, um, basically what's going on in this, in this passage is Ezra and his people are trying to get back. And they're trying to get back safely. And he's already been like boasting of how good God is and how strong God is and how God's a deliverer. And then there's like a swarm of enemy in the middle of him getting back to the city of Jerusalem. So it says, then I proclaim to fast there. He says, man, we all need to fast. They're at the side of the river that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all of our substance. Unless God gives us deliverance and protection and safety as we're navigating this path that he's called us to walk to get back to the city of Jerusalem, we're going to be in big trouble. In recognition of that, they fast and they pray. Number five, to repent. Jonah, you guys are familiar with the story. But we're not talking about Jonah in this particular instance. We're, we're talking about the people of Nineveh. Jonah goes and preaches, and he says, man... You guys are in rough shape. You've been rebelling against the word of the Lord for your entire existence. <laughs> it's, a, it's a condemning message, but it's also a message of, hey, you can repent and you can know the Lord and you can be right with Him. 
And when they heard it, so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast. They, they heard that their sin separated them from God, and they repented, they turned. And in, in doing so, they did so, did so by putting on sat, sackcloth, by you know, making themselves low, by humbling themselves, by fasting. Number four was to seek deliverance or protection. Sorry if that wasn't on there right, but... So after Jonah pronounced that judgment against the city of Nineveh, the king covered himself with sackcloth and, with, and sat in dust, and he ordered the people to fast and pray. And it says, when they, when they did so, and they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring that destruction upon them. Fasting is a big deal, right? Like In, in all of these different ways. Okay, two left, and then it's going to be really practical, personal. You guys will come, so let, like, let's get the pieces so that we can work with them for ourselves, okay? Number six, to gain victory. <coughs> Judges 20, verse 26, it says, Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came unto the house of God and wept and sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So just preceding this, Israel and Benjamin. There's a lot of conflict at this time in Israel because it's judges. You know, people are all over the place. There's no, there's no king in Israel, so they're they're infighting, and thousands of people are dying in these battles. Thousands of people. So Benjamin is slaying Israel. Twenty thousand people die this day. Next day they go out to battle again. Twenty thousand people die this day. There's incredible loss in this battle. So after losing forty thousand men in battle in two days, the Israelites cried out to God for help. And Judges 20, verse 26 says that they sat weeping before the Lord and fasted day until evening. If you're getting your butt kicked, like just, let's just keep getting our butts kicked in the same manner over and over and despair of it. Or like look at the model in which God has laid out for us of how we can have victory, which is fasting. If we want victory, there's, there's a pattern that's laid out. Jesus had victory over temptation. <laughs> These people have victory over their enemy. If we're not experiencing that, then what are, like, why wouldn't we consider this at least, right? Is what God's saying to me. Okay, last one, to worship God. Luke 2, verses 36 through 88, describe this woman, Anna. She's a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Aser. She was of great age. <laughs> I don't know if that's like, I think that's reverential, not like <laughs> a backhand. She was of great age. She was really up there. She lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about four score and four years. And she departed not from the t- temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she, come, and she coming into that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him of all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And this is a woman that's experienced some really hard things. And she's saying, in order for me to keep going without husband, you know, without, without a, a way, a, a plain path forward, I mean, I'm not going to be able to figure out how to worship by myself. This stuff is way too big. So she continues and fasts and pray in prayer. And she just stays in the spot where she's reliant upon the Lord. Okay, so here's a key point based on all that we just looked at. And here's where we get really practical, okay? So we're going to shift gears a little bit. That was a lot of scripture. In ways I'm sorry, in ways I'm not, because you should just go camp out in it, right? Go camp out in that. Go spend more time in it. Key point, number one, fasting can result in a lot of things. But it is often the vehicle which helps believers move from being in a place where they are stuck and fruitless to God receiving glory. This process of putting things off, 
you know, not eating, not doing something, spending our time with the Lord, that, that process is the vehicle that God uses throughout Scripture that helps them move from a place of being stuck and fruitless to a place where He's receiving the glory that He's worthy of in our lives. It's a really big deal. Okay, here's what it seems like to me. It seems like we get to the point where we subtly think that we know what God wants us to do in particular situations, so we determine that we're supposed to do that thing. I know what God's Word says about overcoming temptation, so I will overcome temptation. I need to have his, and it's, it's, it's very subtle. I need to have God's word in my mind and my heart because that's what Jesus did and then I will overcome temptation. God wants to work through us to overcome temptation in our lives. He wants to use that vehicle. He wants, he wants us to be diligent. He wants us to be involved. But he's not telling us to go be excellent repenters or to figure out wisdom ourselves. He's saying, man, come to me. <laughs> come to me. Humble yourselves. Put off the things that distract you that so easily beset you. Come to me. And I'll empower you to do these things. We're not capable. God wants to be with you and I in these things. So practically, these seven different instances where we looked at really quickly, right? It's like a scatter shot of lots of scripture and stuff all over the place. God wants to empower our ministry and overcome temptation. So if your ministry feels dry, like if, if you've been somewhere, some part of you has been saying, I really want to see my friends on my team or this group of people in this class saved. And it feels dry. Nothing's ever happened there. There's no life. If that's the case, or if you're fearing, feeling like weary in the process of engaging in that, why would you, like, can't we consider fasting? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a worthwhile endeavor? Like, if, if there's a really clear example of how God uses that to bring about victory in life, wouldn't we consider that in our own lives? If we're falling regularly into sin instead of overcoming temptation, wouldn't we consider fasting? Wouldn't we consider mortifying the flesh, put, putting it off of ourselves so that God can have, like, give us victory? So if, you're, if your ministry feels dry or wearisome, if you're regularly failing, falling into sin instead of overcoming temptation, if you're lacking wisdom, you don't know how to navigate your life or how you're supposed to move forward in a particular situation, if you've experienced loss and your heart is heavy, you don't know what to do with it, it just feels like it, it busts out of you in, in situations all over the place, and you're like, I don't know if that's healthy or right. You don't know how to grieve something that you've experienced. If you're feeling anxious or afraid, like they were in Ezra, if you're recognizing you're in sin, if you're, if you're failing or losing some battle and you know it, if you're struggling to sing on a Sunday morning, if you're struggling to engage with the Word of God individually in your personal quiet time, wouldn't you consider fasting? Wouldn't we consider just putting things off, coming to the Lord, and just staying in a, like a habit of doing that regularly? Whenever we realize something is amiss, I'm going to go to the Lord instead of trying to figure it out or like put it off so I don't have to deal with how hard it is that I'm not fruitful. That's a hard reality to look at, so I know why we do what we do, but God's giving us another way of handling this. His invitation is draw nigh to him, and he will draw nigh to us. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. He wants to reset our minds, he wants to reset our hearts, and he wants to do that through us drawing nigh to him, and fasting is a vehicle by which we can do that.
Okay, so fasting has some really clear and beautiful results. Um, I've realized in life that, man, when I do that, when I truly put something off that is a comfort to my flesh, it results in me feeling weak. Like, I'm like Mitch. I'm feeling, I'm, I'm not like weak Mitch because Mitch is really strong and I'm, I'm actually just weak, but we both feel weak whenever we're fasting, right? We both feel weak. It's like, man, I just don't have the energy to do the thing. And that's a really beautiful realization because we don't have the energy or the wherewithal or the skill or the anything apart from availability and willingness for the Lord to use us to see people saved or to see us have victory over our own stuff. To get to a place of weakness is to get to a place of strength because God can then work. So when we fast, it results in weakness. When we fast, it results in humility. And in that place, God gives more grace. It's not up there. In that place, God gives more grace. He, he resists the proud. Aren't we proud when we think we can just overcome the temptation in, our own, in and of our own strength or we can see somebody saved or we can do whatever? Like That's a proud way of thinking about it. God wants us to humble ourselves, and again, fasting is a vehicle to get to a place of humility so that God can give us grace. And then finally, fasting results in thanks mean. Fasting results in a reliance upon the Lord instead of a reliance upon ourselves. So Psalm one twenty seven it says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. And we hear this all the time, but we're just if you're anything like me. We're prone to just walking around and trying to build the Lord's house for Him in our own strength when He's given us a very clear way, a very different way than that, to do it. So fasting results in weakness and humility and a reliance upon Him instead of ourselves. Humility results in prayer, right? Like when we get to that place of low weakness, I can't do it, we cry out. And when we cry out, what does God do? What did God do in all those seven instances? He answers really beautifully. Beyond what they could have manufactured or done, God answered. God moves. And that's where I want to be. God help me. God help us. We want to be in the place where he's moving through our lives. Where he's, you know, he's strengthening us when we're weak, when he's opening doors that seem so sealed shut, wildly shut, like it'll never open shut. He's softening people to receive the truth. He's changing circumstances or our heart in the midst of that circumstance. Okay, so here, here's our last key point. Fasting is one of the clearest ways of practically expressing, I'm not going to rely on myself, but the Lord. Fasting is one of the clearest ways of practically expressing that idea, I'm not going to rely on myself, but the Lord. Okay, so here's our conclusion. I believe that we're not fasting because we don't see the need to do so. We don't think there's any place for it. Why would I need to put things off? Because I can just keep doing publicly the things that God has called me to do. But we're not empowered. We're, we're, we're attempting to minister in the power of our flesh. We don't view ourselves as having need, so why should we fast when the circumstances don't necessitate it? So here's my cousin and my son. And it was really cool that he, like it was a surprise. Um, he lives in New York and he drove all the way down for Thanksgiving and I was at Thanksgiving and he just showed up. And he like, I was like looking at Ozai's something right here and he just like hugs me. I'm like, oh, you know, like he, he just grabs me because we love each other. He's, a, he's super dear to me. 
I've been praying for him for 10 years. I talked to him till 4 in the morning the other night. And it started, and I'm thankful for it overall, is what I'd say. I'm, I'm so grateful for how the Lord worked in it. Like he's grieving, he lost his grandpa, he's, he's lost, he's had a lot of loss this year. And I got to love him in that, in ways I don't think he receives anywhere else. I'm, I'm grateful for that. And he's got a posture and a countenance that, that says, you know, I really do want to believe what you believe, but it seems foolish to me. Over and over, it just it doesn't make any sense to him. It's, it's blindness to him. It's foolishness to him. Just as the Bible says it will be. And he spent a lot of time looking at the other side of the argument, just camping out over here, over and over and over, and looking at it from a really critical opinion. And I lovingly was sharing what God has done, and we got to we got to walk through Romans ten nine through seventeen. Faith cometh by hearing is the conclusion of that chunk. can't do it. It's just abundantly clear. I, there, I will never get through the shame. And you guys have a shame. You guys have a, a friend or a parent or a sibling. Someone in your life. You will never break through to them. Why have I not fasted for shame? That's so grievous to me. As, I'm reali- like as I was realizing that last night into today. It's like, what else would I do given what God's Word has said? Why would I not desperately... <laughs> Why would I not do that? Why would we not consider doing that, right? Just humbling ourselves before the Lord so that He can do the work. Unless the Lord moves, unless the Lord builds that house of seeing shame saved, it's just never going to happen. So I believe the reason why we're not doing it is because we don't look at the need. But on the other hand, there are those in the world who fast because they're so burdened by their sin that all they can do is cry out to God. There's people in a very different spot. There are others who do fast because their family members are in a critical medical condition and they're so busy crying out to God that they don't, they don't even have time to eat. You know, it's so dire, it's so desperate, they don't have time to do something else. And this seems to be the, the more biblical nature of fasting in the world. So ra- here's, here's something you need to consider and, and grab hold of. Rather than being a command or a spiritual discipline, well, I'm going to fast. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to get really good at this. Rather than being a command or a spiritual discipline, fasting is a spirit-enabled response to emotional conditions which prompt a deep communion with God. That's wordy. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> fasting is just the spirit-enabled response that we ought to have to the cir- circumstances of life but we run from that. Okay, what I'm not saying, and we're done, we've got 10 minutes left, we're going to get in groups. What I'm not saying is that everybody in here should you know, come up with some reason that's really heavy, like you just manufacture that, and then you tell everybody that you're going to fast, and you don't do that. <laughs> you don't do that. That's not what we need to do here. What the Lord is leading me in surrounding this is, why isn't this response a regular part of your life? Right? Like, why is that just a Pastor Sam prescribed type of thing in your life? Or something that you struggle with actually giving your whole heart in type of thing? Why, why don't you do this regularly? That's what the Lord's leading me in. I don't know if it was plain and simple to you. I pray the Lord has used it. What we're going to do We just want to prayerfully consider what it is that the Lord has said. So we, we don't have a ton of time, but if we could spend the last nine, ten minutes 
just looking at like these ideas and what is it that I'm doing in response to the impossibilities of life as opposed to fasting, right? What, what, how am I actually handling these things where I could be doing this, right? If this is the route, the vehicle in which the Lord is laying out through Scripture as one where He works mightily, what are we doing instead? What's something that might be potentially worth fasting over? We have things that are going on in our life that are way too big for us. And people ought to know those things. We can confess our faults to one another, and we can be healed through that process of confession and having somebody join in carrying the weight which we're commanded to do for one another. And then lastly, man, maybe you don't know who to pray for in your family, but if you pray for Shane, that'd be awesome. I love that dude. He's hard. He's, he genuinely wants to understand. He's asking me to send him scripture. We're, we're looking at it. But it's, he's just hard, and he can't see it. And unless God helps him to see it, you will never see it. So maybe you don't have a shame, but if you don't have one, you can just pray for mine, right? Because I want to see him love the Lord. And if he does, he's a freaking weirdo. Like, he'll, he gives everything to whatever he's doing. Like, he's a weirdo. He's become, like, the best poker player <laughs> to the point where he's got a ton of money. You know, he's become, he's like a day trader in the stock market with no education in it, making, like, he's made millions of dollars doing it and lost lots of money, too. That's part of the loss I was referencing. Like, he gives everything to the thing that he's focused on, and if God would save his soul, he would give everything to him. And we have people that God wants to do that in their lives. So would you pray for your family? So in this time we're prone to comfortability, I would challenge you guys to get with some people that you don't know terribly well, if you're willing to do that, and just be vulnerable surrounding these things, right? So we've got both. We've got rooms, access to both rooms. Um, I'm going to pray, but then whenever I'm done, let's spend the last six minutes or so just considering some of these ideas. I think we can trail on a little longer in the space that we have, but let's do work with the Lord, okay? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the simplicity of it. I, I mean, there was a lot this morning, and it might have, with that in the heat, been hard to track or you know stay with it all. But Lord, would you please just Help us to consider how we're responding to the pressures and hardness of life and consider fasting as a new way, um, a new path to invite you in to, to working. God, I, I need you to move in my life, and if you don't, I'm just going to be laboring in vain, and that is not what I want to do. So, Lord, help us to see what we need to see right now. In Jesus' name, amen.